There's a couple of the biggest law firms, prestigious law firms in the Northeast represented in here uh, as, I, as I look around the room. Why is it that the things that I talk about when I look at the audience, it looks like four stuff out there? Is, am I saying anything that Einstein said? This is simple. These are simple truths. And you know them down deep inside. How do you create an instant track record? You team up with a high performance person and then that track record accrues to you. I learned that 20 plus years ago when I teamed up with a CEO of a NASA shipping line. I'm still riding that horse to death. You create instant track records by teaming up. I would rather have 30 or 40 percent of a hundred million dollar company than 100 percent of the little chicken shit ones that are, you know, for the most part represented to all the people I talk to. High performance people have another differentiation. They share the wealth. Bill Gates formed Microsoft as a company, not for tax reasons or any other reason, not to go public, but to be able to share ownership in Microsoft with all his employees. Ross Perot, when he sold EDS for three or four billion, whatever it was, to General Motors, not many people know that 60% of the company was owned by the employees. <laughs> they share the wealth. You can't do, back up a second, there's two great levers in life, other people and other people's money. You cannot accomplish what I've accomplished and what these other high-performance individuals have accomplished without utilization of both other people's money and other people. Today, the managing partner of the venture capital firm that we were in to talk to today, a uh, senior guy, maybe 10 years older than I am, um, asked me, uh, well, Mr. Kenya, uh, will you put up your own money? And I said, uh, I have on occasion, uh, but normally I don't, uh, which is normally my answer, which is the truth. I normally don't have to use my own money. You all use your own money. Richard Rainwater has not put a dollar of his own money in a deal in 10 years. Richard Rainwater, everybody know Richard Rainwater is a big LBO guy? Okay. He was, he was uh, Rick Scott's partner in Columbia Healthcare. He, he ran the bath money in uh, Fort Worth when they were worth about six or seven hundred million. He took them to 11, 12 billion and left. A piece of every deal that he did for the basses he owned, and when he left, he left with a lot of money. And for the first 20 or 25 months, Richard Rainwater invested in 20 or 25 deals that all lost money. He thought the basses were going to buy them. And then in the 28th or 30th month or whatever, he, he, he hit home run after home run after home run after home run, and now he's in one of the wealthiest guys on the planet. These things, these, these characteristics idiosyncrasies, quirks of the high-performance individual that I've alluded to are consistent here, Canada, Mexico, South America, Australia, Europe, Asia. I've done business on five continents. The other places I haven't been because all I've got is penguins and polar bears. How many in the room, first of all, let me ask a question. How many in the room could use additional working capital for growth in their business? Okay. 
How many in the room have made a final presentation today to a financial institution? In the last 48 hours, last week, last month, then you're not serious. Then you're not serious. L.B., Bruce Whipple, and Dave Reeker, two of my other partners, since November or thereabouts, have called on about 1,500 financial institutions or more since November. 1,500! And guess what? They got financed. That's 1,500. And here, I don't know how many banks are in New York. I mean, there are tons, right? There are tons. When I was given a talk in London, everybody talked about the five clearing banks in London, the five big banks. There's 406 banks in London. 406. I mean, and these people were discussing Clydesdale Bank, which is owned by an Australian bank, sat in my um, library at the castle and told me that in Scotland alone, they were 788 million pounds underinvested. Just bring me a deal, Dan, to stack up. Ambro Bank, which is the largest such bank and the 15th largest bank in the world, called me to make a takeover of a retail chain in the UK because they know that I know how to do it and they were willing to put up 49% of the money. If I can't read the other 51% with Amber putting up 49%, I'll blow my brain down. High performance people want to do business with high performance people. Banks, financial institutions are not going to bet on whether you're the next Bill Gates. They want to put their money on a team that has been there and done that. And for most of you, that's one of the reasons that you haven't been able to finance your deals because you don't have a team, the requisite team. We call it a dream team. We put together a dream team of people that have been there and done that. By definition, all that experience and reputation accrued to the individual that put the team together. I'm in the, in the, in the, in the midst of two public offerings. I have a, a three million pound company, just had a failed bid on an 840 million pound company. So a three million pound, which is about five million dollars, to try to take over a billion three company. Came pretty close, we're gonna have another run at them again now which would be virtually unheard of. You say you can't do that, but the team we put together, all the five of us were for former CEOs of big public companies, and there's a little ego problem amongst the five of us right now, who's top dog, but they want to see the track record. They want to see the people that have been there and done that. Very often, there's one thing I remember very, very vividly about going around the country with Joe a year, or three and a half years ago, is virtually the CEO club members had a lot of pride of authorship. I mean, this is my baby. I spent all my life. And I was, you know, I'm going to keep it, and it's a three million dollar company, and I'm going to keep it. And I say, would you rather have forty percent of a hundred million dollar company? Yeah, but and if that's where you're happy, then that's great. I think it's sad. I think it's tragic because I thought whoever put us on this earth, we were here to be all that we could be, not create what we could be not 31% or 55% or 85%. I thought we were put on here to give it a real run. I thought we were put on here to live life on purpose. I didn't think we were put on 
on earth to live life by accident. High performance individuals are proactive. You cannot have geometric or exponential growth from a reactive or reactionary position. One of the things that I discovered touring the country, which won't make many of your members very happy, is there is a huge geometric difference between playing not to lose and playing to win. And most people, this room included, play not to lose. And you want to know why? Sure, fear, rejection, all the other things. But see, you don't know a few pennies that you've got if you made them on purpose or if it was by accident and if you could do it again. I've been down financially on my back five times and come back like the phoenix from the ashes. God knows I don't want to do it a sixth time. God knows. The high-performance people I talk about are willing because they have confidence in themselves to roll their, their net worth. Don Trump is one of the great examples of coming back from death in recent years when he filed bankruptcy a few years ago for several billion. Another characteristic that the regular person and a high-performance person differ is we don't share down. I need you wrong, but I'm never down. Have you ever heard Ross Perot or any of those guys share a I heard people over drinks today sharing doubts. First of all, does anybody give a shit? No. And what's worse is you go home and you share doubts with your significant other. When I was in the trial for my life in 1993, see, they, they didn't even know. When I was making the tour with Joe, I was against the ropes. I had been crucified and left for dead. I had all my assets tied up in a constructive trust for 19 months, and I was fighting for my financial life. Not one swinging dick, and these CEO clubs knew that. My wife didn't know it. I've got a personal overhead that's bigger than most companies. Maybe all the goddamn companies in here. My personal overhead. And when you can't write a check for 19 months, you can't pay the tuition, the $40,000 tuition, for my one prep school, for my one son. Now that's a bind. Never told anybody, never told Joe, never told my wife. My wife, like your wives and husbands, they want to be like a kangaroo in the pocket of their mama. They want to come out there and look around and go back in the field. It's all warm and it's going to be okay, Dan. But you come home and say, oh, Jesus Christ, the union did this and the pastors did this, and we got a big $8,000 bill from our lawyer. I've never heard any of the big guys that I've talked about so far ever lament nor cry like that. Never. You share doubts. Amateurs share doubts. Did Carl Lewis, when he won his fourth gold medal in the long jump, when they said his career was over, right? He was 35, 36 years old. Was he telling people that he didn't think he could win another gold medal? Because mm -mm. mm -mm. he remembered that dream he had from 20 years before getting that fourth gold medal ten times. Another characteristic of a high-performance person, we have more dreams than memories. Most of this room talks about your memories. This is shit. 
Reverend Chairman CEO of PepsiCo, I can't remember his name now, he's got cancer. He's recovering, I, I hope. Uh, correct. Yes. He changed their mission statement a number of years ago. And I can, I, I, I'm going to try to paraphrase it, but it's worth the effect that we're now going to have more dreams than memories at PepsiCo. High performance people have more dreams. I still have dreams. I still have things. I'm working on one of my projects. It's at the largest flotation, five billion pound flotation, and brings together hundreds of small entrepreneurs all through Europe and, and make more millionaires and multimillionaires than anybody, including Bill Gates or Ross Perot of all time. The company's called QMI, Quantum Marketing International. And yes, I will get richer because I own 30% of the company. And 30% of 5 billion pounds is a billion ain't what it used to be. But a 30% of 5 billion pounds is still a lot of money. That's what keeps me going. I have wrapped my new career around this passion. My passion is to change the way business information is disseminated on the planet. Because most of the information you get is crap. And if Ross Perot decides to start doing what I do, and I'm going to retire, because my unique selling proposition is I've created more wealth from scratch than any other business coach on the planet, cumulatively since the beginning of time. And if you can find somebody that's made more, I will retire instantly. I will buy your first class ticket, we will put you up at a rich Carlton equivalent, and I will go there with you, and I will attend his class, his seminar, his course. Now that unique sound proposition has been out there a long time, and none of the boys have challenged me on it. Yet I know some of you are going to go buy a book or a tape in the next 48 hours by some doofus that's never made any goddamn money. <laughs> you know why? Because they tell you it's easy to be a high performance person. They tell you it's easy to make tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, and it ain't so, Joe. It's a son of a it's only made easier if you're willing to make those sacrifices that I've alluded to so far this afternoon. I'm often asked, can I have balance? Can I have it all, Dan? No. I don't know one roller. When Napoleon Hill wrote Thinking Grow Rich, he interviewed 500 of the wealthiest men on the world and were friends of Andrew Carnegie. Only three almost had peace of mind. Three out of 500, that's a pretty low fraction, and they didn't really have peace of mind, and I relate that or connote that to a balanced life in this 1990s politically correct bullshit. No, you can't have it all. I have more of a balanced life now because I've made a ton of money, and I can drag my family around with me. I drag my two sons to business meetings all over. My two sons, my, especially my oldest son, who dresses just like I do, is formidable. Formidable opponent, but not quite 16. He understands how the game's played. Cut, slash, take no prisoners. Another thing that high performance people understand, and I know this is a, a, a camaraderie and friendly group, and everybody likes everybody else. All the big shooters don't like one another, yet they still do business with one another. Not everybody loves Ross. Ross doesn't much give a shit. Not many people like me. I don't lose any sleep over it. 
Because it doesn't matter, in my judgment, what the morons say. There's, there's, there's a line in Avita. Uh, when Avita Perone is running for president after her husband dies in the late 40s, she thinks it doesn't matter what the morons say. You've been taking advice from people that have not been there and done that. I think that the 25 or so people that have been to the council experience from the CEO club can tell you if the shit works or not. I don't have to stand up here and blow smoke up my own backside. I know it works. I know that I've seen people start with nothing and go in and get million dollar lines of credit. Airline pilots had no reason to get a million dollar line of credit. But they called on 40 banks. And then he got a million dollar line of credit. He's an airline pilot. He's claimed the fame as he was uh, Mr. Cosmopolitan. He was Bachelor of the Month in Cosmopolitan. His name is um, Lenny Knox. He's this tall. He's shows you the, well, there aren't any real men in this, I guess. I mean, if he's a woman of the, uh, or man of the, I don't know if they're women of the month. Uh, and, uh, and he went out and got a million dollars line of credit after, and he went to our raising council seminar. This stuff works. All is dependent on how bad, how much you want to be successful. It's not for everybody. High performance is not for everybody. I'm a, when I was playing golf, I got run over by a car a year and a half ago at Houston Airport. Some people say it wasn't an accident. <laughs> I was run over, backed over, and run over again. True story. Hilton shuttle bus hit a cab. Now, I am going to own part of Hilton, based on the losses that were tied over, and I am going to own the, the Houston City Cab Company, both. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to give the City Cab Company back to the city, but the Hilton part I'm keeping. But, and by some miracle, nothing was broken except the metatarsals on the top of my foot. We don't know how that happened. But I think it's because the adrenaline was pumping through me so fast because I wanted to kill the, the cab driver. And the, but I sprang back from that, and I wasn't supposed to walk. Uh, again, they gave me seven or eight MRIs, and they say nothing's wrong with me, but I couldn't walk. God willing, you can experience something like this. With your lovely child and she's getting better. But high performance people make the rules. There are no rules. High performance people live in, live their lives outside the box. There's nothing that I do that's traditional or conventional. I overfinance every transaction I do between five and twenty percent. I.e., I buy a four million dollar house, I borrow four, I borrow five million dollars. Put no money in. I do the same with companies. Now you poor bastards, you put up your own shekels that you got. Why would you do that? I could never understand why would a guy with no money want to put his money in a deal? But I do it all the time. We did a transaction last year. We financed it 106%. And they said, you can't be financed for three years. Forty-five days later, we refinanced it for 130 percent. Our intentions are not to come back to the capital market. Important words for the Lord. Our intentions are not to come back to the capital market. Why the lawyers are working on the documents to come back to the capital market? The world is flush with cash like no time this century. It's easier to get a deal funded right now than it ever has been. One of the hot VCs here in town told me, and this is the guy I slapped around in a transaction 12 or 14 years before, a Goldman Sachs 
When a Goldman Sachs young in his early 30s with an MBA from Wharton or Harvard comes in, I just start salivating. I mean, I'm just going to rip him a new rectum. I just I start to get excited. But he's the head of a big, very popular venture capital firm right now, and he says, Dan, we're, we're looking at deals we wouldn't have even dreamt of looking at five years ago, and we're doing deals today that we wouldn't have done 30 months ago. Yes. Many in this room still go begging and they can't get their deal funded. If you can't get your deal funded, you, you're not looking in the right place. And if you don't think money can buy happiness, as my wife was quoted in the Financial Times, you just don't know where to shop. Because <laughs> if you don't think I'm happier than anybody in this room, you're blind. You're blind. Now, Keith Cutsman, who's known me 20 plus years, we were in business together. I've basically always been a psycho. I haven't changed much. I gave the commencement address where I went to school. I flunked out of college three times, finally came back the fourth time after the Vietnam War and graduated. Came back as their most distinguished alumni. And uh, I was in, uh, CBS was interviewing the dean of the school, and she said, um, they said, has Mr. Penny changed any in the last 20 plus years? Actually, no. Uh, all that has happened is his accomplishments have caught up with his big mouth. <laughs> so I've done the things that I said that I was going to do as a young man, and now I have no more mountains to climb other than myself, and I'm hungry for your victories because I know everybody in this room is capable of a lot more. Some of you are a lot older than I am in this room, and you'll say, well, boy, I wish I could have heard Dan 15 or 20 years ago, of course shit. I just buried my grandmother. A year ago, 93. And when she was lucid before she passed into the non lucid stage, she only, she only talked about one thing, and that's the risk she didn't take, the things she didn't do. I'm a great eulogy giver, and I've been burying, unfortunately, a lot of people over the last three or four years. And when I'm at the hospital, the consciousness leaves them, they all are telling the same thing. It's not about that they attended their soccer games with their kids when they were growing up, that's a lot of shit. They all tell me I, the risk I didn't take, the things that I could have done. And what if your hell was to view a video for eternity of the things you could have done but didn't? I'm not going to die that way. And I hope you don't either. Thank you very much. You've been a great eye. Two uh, questions, two, two comments. One, we're going to have Dan come down to the uh, open house uh, right after. I'm going to see if I can get him to open up a little. Uh, he's retiring and shy. Maybe you might help. Maybe a glass of wine will help. Steve Forbes is going to be here November 24th. I forgot to tell you that. It's a uh, Thanksgiving week, the Monday of that week. And uh, I did it on that weekend so people from out of town could join us. Dan's going to entertain some questions. Come on up. This is always the best part. You may not like the answer, but it's what the Lord knows. Questions? Don't all jump at once. Yes, sir. Several times you mentioned using other people's money. Yes, sir. Once or twice you also mentioned the time to put your left on the line. Okay. I guarantee stuff in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Talk about not signing. No, 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 no. I said, 
You don't sign because you don't believe in your deal. I believe in my deal, so I don't mind signing. I don't mind signing for as much money as I'm worth. I just don't take any of my own money anymore. But I mean, all, all the guys sign. I mean, there are deals that can be non-recourse. But I mean, most of you guys that are involved in, in the CEO club or any, you know, the flight deal, they're not non-recourse deals. I mean, the companies aren't normally big enough. They, they want a second source of payment. They want, as Richard Rainwater said, they want skin on the line. They're talking about foreskin. They want to sit on the line. <laughs> and I'm willing to do that. Like my advice to LB is, no, no, we're not going to sign, we're not going to sign, but at the end, roll over, if that's what you do, get the deal done. The most important thing, one of the comments I forgot to make, is unless you're Madonna or Michael George or somebody like that, you're not going to get rich off income. The way the wealth is built is equity and transactions. See, most of you, 95.6% of all businesses go up for sale at the end of eight years, don't sell. Because you're all trying to get rich off one deal. It's equity and transactions. All these guys, the KKR guys, uh, uh, all the big uh, venture capital guys, they do dozens and dozens and dozens of deals. I'm involved in, you know, a, a lot of consolidation plays. Roll-ups. I've done 700 transactions. Um, but it's income. But I, I do. I, I, I sign. I put my skin on the line. Um, and... Um, but there's so much money out there. Another question. Question. Yes, sir. How do you monitor all those transactions? Do you have a mechanism of getting reports? How do you manage that? On all the 35 companies I'm involved in, I have a strong CEO. We have strong boards that have done thousands of transactions. Uh, and um, oh, we, have, we have the financial systems. I'm a big deal. I'm a big proponent of financial systems. Uh, and... Um, so it's not that difficult to monitor. I mean, ICT and its heyday had 240 companies. Um, Richard Branson has over 200 companies right today. I mean, uh, I mean, it's not that difficult. The one good thing about computers, even though I think it's killed the entrepreneur, is that you can keep track of a lot of financial data. Tell us a little about the capital structure. The castle is 156 acres, 18-hole golf course, 6,000 yards, par 69, 32 out, 37 back. It's rated as the hardest golf course in Europe, maybe the, maybe the world. We, we, we built it that way. Indoor squash court, big ledger, center, gymnasium, sauna, steam, jacuzzi. We started to take the water out of the jacuzzi because our graduation party, Black Tide Night, uh, it's been rumored that bodily fluids have been swapped and the jacuzzi, and so we, we, we closed the jacuzzi down because of reliability. We also acidized it, uh, and um, we have, uh, we can sleep now, we've done renovations, we can sleep basically uh, 18 to 20. Uh, it's um, considered by Lloyds of London who insures us as one of the three or four most finely appointed estates in Great Britain. Uh, for those of you that have been there, a few of you have, speaks for itself. Um, we have the seminar in the boardroom. Uh, we spend a lot of time and we basically pound your zeal, your revelation, your, uh, your love, hopefully, uh, to death and you come away with an action plan, a war plan, how to grow your business uh, geometrically. And it's basically with other people's money through acquisition. And I can assure you, you can borrow all the money and get all the money you need and overfinance your deals between 105 and 130% all day long. Yeah. By the way, the 35 companies that I'm involved in all came out of seminars. 
some of my friends that are involved in investment banking, little boutique places, and you know, we set up an office in Century City, one in New York, and I had actually considered it. But I get all the deals that I ever could look at just from the people that attend the seminars. I mean, so all 35 companies I'm involved in came out of seminars since November of 1993, and um, the and the number of those are I'm partners with a number of the CEO uh, members, and uh, we don't take all the deals, but I mean take the better one. And if even if I don't go into business with you, I show you how to make your deal better. I, I assure you, you're too close to your own deal. You're, you're too close. And I'll tell you, you know, whenever I see, and, and I don't ask forgiveness for what I'm about to say, husband, wife, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, cousin, both, yeah. 99% of the time it's a bullshit deal. Very few family deals work, guys and gals. You may have them. But very, very, very few, and even fewer husband-wife deals work. Verdeers are an exception to that rule. But I mean, my experience is that those, that dog don't hunt. That dog don't hunt. You may think it hunts, but like Marvin, starving Marvin, he can't find his son-in-law. Is his son-in-law? I mean, starving Marvin, he came in marvelous Marvin, he left starving Marvin because he couldn't and can't find his son-in-law. You can't blow the bum out. I'll do it. I said, I'll fly down. I fired three people uh, 10 days ago. I flew on one trip. So I just fired three CEOs. He had a rapid fire. I had to meet me at the airport. And, you get bad news. You get bad news from me in person. That's another thing happened for me. I fired you in person. Not by some bullshit letter from a lawyer. Or, I mean, I do it eyeball to eyeball. The, um, but... Some of you have son-in-laws and that. You know what I'm talking about. You can't blow them out. Some of you got kids. And I won't say they're worthless, but you know what I mean. Jesus, I'm a parent. You know, I have products of my loins, you know. But I mean, some of, them, some of your kids shouldn't be where they are. And I